Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. Good morning, and thanks for being a part of things here at Bridgewater. You're joining us for a series called When God Begins to Move, where we've heard from some wonderful friends and pastors as they've shared stories of how God has moved in their own lives and taken us into scripture to discover more about recognizing when a move of God is taking place. So as we wrap up our series today, we're going to take a look at what movement and motion really mean and how we can stay in motion even when there is pushback in our lives and in the world around us. So to get us started, let's look at what we know about the idea of movement or of motion when it comes to physics. Now, most of you probably have much better recall from your high school physics class than I do, but I had to Google Newton's laws of motion. And interestingly enough, what I found was far more than just Isaac Newton's ideas on physics, it turns out that he was quite the religious thinker and the theologian, and his discoveries in science deeply intertwined with his devout Christianity. And in his work, Optics, he wrote, Whence is it that nature doth nothing in vain? And whence arises all that order and beauty which we see in the world? Was the eye contrived without skill in optics, and the ear without knowledge of sounds? Does it not appear from phenomena that there is a being, incorporeal, living, intelligent, omnipresent, who in infinite space sees the things themselves intimately and thoroughly perceives them and comprehends them wholly? And Simon Oliver, a professor of theology, wrote a book titled Philosophy, God, and Motion, where he specifically researched key figures like Newton to examine how they handled the concept of motion. And he writes, that prior to the scientific revolution, motion was a much broader and more mysterious category, applying to moral as well as physical movements. So motion happens in all kinds of ways and areas. And to set a framework for our exploration of it, we're going to look at Newton's laws as kind of metaphors for the motion of God. Now, Jesus typically used physical world stories to illustrate spiritual principles through parables, stories of seeds and vines and harvests and famine and coins and fish and the weather, all things that helped the people that he was connecting with to understand some greater spiritual truth. So our goal here isn't about remembering the laws of motion for some impending physics exam, but to understand and remember the ways that God can move in and around us. So let's jump in with an overview of the laws of motion. Newton's laws of motion. The first one says that an object at rest stays at rest and an object in motion stays in motion unless acted upon by an outside force. The second one says the force on an object is equal to its mass multiplied by the acceleration. And the third says that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Are they all coming back to you now? The more that I've looked at each one, the more I realized that, first of all, I should have paid way more attention in Mrs. Wilson's physics class, and two, that they all contain some helpful connections that we can make to the motion of God and our participation in it. So we're going to start out by looking at law number one. An object at rest stays at rest, and an object in motion stays in motion unless acted upon by an outside force. So this one pretty much makes sense, right? 
if the ball is just sitting on the ground, it's not going to roll away unless it's pushed. And if the giant asteroid on some crash course with Earth in the movie isn't stopped by something, it's going to continue on its path toward destruction. But if a kid runs up and kicks the ball, it's going to fly off in the direction of the kick. If the crazy last minute plan that the movie heroes come up with does indeed push the asteroid off of its original course, the Earth is saved. Everything that is set into physical motion could, hypothetically, be stopped by some outside force. But when God begins to move, there's nothing that can stand in the way. God has always been in motion, is moving now, and will continue to move. We know that God was in motion at the creation of the universe, in motion when Christ came to earth, in motion even in our own celebrations and our darkest moments. God is always in motion. We see this in scripture when it talks about the unchanging nature of a living and moving God. In Psalms 102, 25 to 27, it says, Long ago, you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you endure. They will all wear out like a garment. You change them like clothing, and they pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. In James 1.17, it says, Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. And in Isaiah 40, 28, it says, Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. God is everlasting. His plan is in motion and it cannot be stopped. But in contrast to the everlasting nature of God, our humanness means that we can indeed be stopped and that we often need some push or some pull that gets us moving in the right direction. And recognizing the movement of God is just the beginning. It's the point where we get to decide if we're going to participate in it or if we're going to stay at rest. Have you ever experienced a moment where you recognized beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was moving? One of my favorite scenes in scripture is found in Acts 2 when this group of first Jesus followers experiences the movement of God in some wild ways. And we're going to read it in just a moment. But first, let's review what has just happened in this first chapter of Acts. So this is right after Jesus' resurrection, and he spends 40 days appearing to the believers and sharing about the kingdom of God. And during all of this, he tells them to wait in the city that they're in, Jerusalem, for the promise of the Father. And this promise is, it's like the baptism of water that they're familiar with, but instead of by water, it's a baptism by the Holy Spirit. And at this point, they don't have a whole lot of experience with that. And they, they then witness Jesus ascending into heaven. And these two angels are like, why are you still standing here? So they go back to Jerusalem to wait like Jesus instructed them. And then there are these 10 in-between days where that's what they continue to do, to wait. And it makes sense to me that in the in-between, they might have kind of sat around in shock over everything that they'd experienced over the past 40 days. It makes sense that in the in-between, they might have been fearful, not knowing what would happen now that Jesus was no longer with them in bodily form. Have you ever been in an in-between season where something life-altering has already happened? So maybe the big decision has already been made, a new baby is coming, the job has been accepted, or maybe a major loss has occurred. But the actual reality of what's ahead hasn't quite arrived yet. I'm right on the edge of that in my own life. And, and it's a space where we can be tempted to just sit in the limbo. But God never stops moving, and there's always an invitation to join in it. 
And that's what we see these first believers in Acts do. The believers commit themselves to prayer and to moving forward in what they're called to do by choosing a wise replacement leader for Judas who had betrayed Jesus. So we're finally getting to chapter two. I told you we would get there. And they, they aren't in a state of sedated waiting. They've been attentive to the movement of God. Let's check chapter two out together. Acts chapter two, verses one to four says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together and in one place. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. There are a few factors at play here, and we're going to use the second law of motion to help us take a closer look. So that second law of motion says that the force on an object is equal to its mass multiplied by the acceleration. So what that means, the acceleration of something is determined by A, the force that comes upon it, and B, the mass of the thing itself, the, the stuff that the thing is made of. I think Mrs. Wilson, the physics teacher, would have called this stuff matter. And bear with me, because remember that this isn't about being a science lesson, but a tool for remembering. It's not an actual scientific equation right now. So we're going to simplify it down to this. The stuff that we are made of impacts the way that we move, what we spend our time thinking on, whether they're things of God or not. And the community that we surround ourselves with, this is the stuff, the matter. So the disciples had spent time with Jesus. They had devoted themselves to prayer and to moving forward even in the in-between season. And verse 1 tells us that they were all together in one place. When the force of the Holy Spirit, the movement of God, came upon them, they were ready to join in. Opportunities to join in the movement of God are all around us. So what are the times when it feels like nothing is happening? I think it really does come down to what we are thinking on and who we are surrounded by. Maybe some of you have had similar experiences to my own where seasons of your life have been saturated pretty intensely by one purpose or community of people. I think of my college years when I was studying music and I was surrounded by other musicians. So my knowledge increased because I was spending time studying and my motivation and desire and interest increased because I was with other people who had the same goals. This has proven true for my spiritual life too. During the year that I spent traveling on a missions trip, surrounded by other young adults with the same goal, I saw God moving in ways that I never could have imagined, like crazy miracles and wildly clear moments of hearing God's voice. But what's interesting is that many of the people from that trip, myself included, had a really difficult time adjusting back to normal life. And while there were certainly some practical adjustments that you have to make when you return from a trip like that, things like finding housing and starting new jobs and missing that constant stimulation of travel. I think that the bigger issue, at least for myself, was that we were separated from community that held us accountable and that spurred us on and that was seeking God together. We had these rhythms of worship and conversations that was focused on what God was doing and that was no longer our default. The unchanging God wasn't changing. The movement of God hadn't stopped but the stuff that was making up our lives had changed. Maybe for you, it's remembering the spiritual fervor of when you first accepted Christ or the years you spent in a really formative youth group or how it felt in the community you were in before your family made a big move. 
those are all special seasons and they're worthy of being remembered, but they're not to be idolized. We have an opportunity right here and right now to choose the stuff that we're made of, to set ourselves up to recognize the movement of God in and around us, which leads us to our second passage in Acts. The Holy Spirit falls on the believers, and then Peter shares the gospel in a really powerful way. So let's read Acts 2, 37 through 42. Now, when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them saying, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And the third and final of Newton's laws of motion that we're going to make a connection with today is this. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So for movement to occur, one force has to decrease and the other force must increase. Look at this passage again. Those who hear Peter share the truth of the gospel have a choice to make. They're literally asking, brothers, what should we do? And Peter responds by saying that all of them should repent and be baptized and forgiven and receive the Holy Spirit. He's instructing them to surrender themselves and their sin, to decrease, so that God's movement and power in them might increase. And around 3,000 people choose to join in the movement of God that day. And let's not forget that the movement of God is unchanging and constant. So that movement, that day over 2,000 years ago, with those 3,000 people spurred on by the gospel shared by Peter, who, along with the other followers of Jesus, stayed attentive in the in-between seasons. That's the exact same movement that we're invited into today, right in the places that we're in, in the communities that God has placed us in. And it requires the same thing of us as it did of them. John the Baptist stated this explicitly when those around him were questioning if he might be the Messiah. In John 3.30, he says, he must increase and I must decrease. To join in the movement of God, we must leave behind the old parts, decreasing by laying down our sin, our fears, our anger, our disappointments, and inviting the increase of Christ into our lives. And this leads to incredible things. Let's look at our final passage from Acts chapter 2, verses 43 through 47. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, they spent much time together in the temple. They broke bread in their homes and they ate food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This community of people embraced personal decrease. But the life described here certainly seems like it's full of increase. They were together. They had all things in common. They had glad and generous hearts. The goodwill of all people. And the literal increase of the number of people who were coming to believe in Jesus. God is everlasting, a God of the increase, a God of motion. And you and I are invited into it today. So let's be a people in motion who, who are made of the stuff of God, 
who daily decrease so that Christ must increase. If you have questions about what it looks like to believe in Jesus, connect with me online in the comments or via direct message. We would love to connect with you and start this journey together. Or maybe you've felt the motion of God on your heart for a while. And today is the day of decision when you, like the 3,000 in Acts, commit to follow Jesus. We're gonna have an opportunity to pray together in just a moment and, and we can't wait to be in this with you. And finally, maybe you've been on this journey for a while now and are in a bit of an in-between season. God has big things in store. So let's devote ourselves to prayer in this space and expect that we are going to experience the unchanging motion of God in new and transformational ways together. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you use things in the world around us to teach us more about who you are. God, and that you are a God who is in motion, that there's nothing that can stop the plan that you have, not just for, for our individual personal lives, God, but for the whole of your creation. God, thank you for the salvation of Jesus. And God, if there is anyone who is praying with us this morning, who has not made a decision for you, God, we ask that, that you would transform them, that you would come into their lives, and that they would follow you steadfastly. God, as we move forward in motion as a community, we ask that you would teach us more what it looks like to be you in the neighborhood around us, to love people well and to show the hope that you have to a broken world. God, we're so thankful that you're a God who stays in motion and that we don't have to stay staying there or in the places that we're in because you go with us. It's in your name we pray, amen. Before we go, I wanted to let you all, our online Bridgewater family, know about an exciting transition for me personally and in the life of our church. For the past three and a half years, I have served primarily as the pastor of children and of young adult ministries here at Bridgewater. And we have seen God begin to move in big ways over the past year and a half, including the opportunity for me to step more heavily into our online presence, things like social media content and online services just like this one. Moving forward, I'm going to be transitioning into the role of online pastor and will be relocating from here in Hamilton to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I'm so excited for the future of online ministry and will continue to be a part of the pastoral team here at Bridgewater remotely. As an important part of our online family, I specifically wanted to ask you all to be in prayer for the future of this ministry, asking that God would bring wisdom and creativity as we continue to engage with a world that's in need of healing and of hope, God is in motion. And I'm so glad that we're in this together. Until we're together next week, take heart and be transformed. Hey friends, thanks for listening. And if you wanna be a part of our e-family, then all you have to do to join us is click the link below and you can check us out on our YouTube page, you can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, then just click the link to give. We're so grateful for all of our partners and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world for Jesus Christ.